Well, babies, I cannot believe I've finally arrived at <clears throat> Ocean City, New Jersey, and it's 2016, and it's March? Well, fuck. This should be a fun detour, I guess. God damn it. I guess... Guess I can uh, do another radio show or something. We're live from 694.2 PTBP or whatever. Some nice person wrote us a thing. Uh, maybe I'll read that. This week's Howlin' with Wolf comes from Dale Armont in Arkansas, who tweeted about the show and tagged at Pretending Pod, which is always the third thing I do while sitting on the toilet. Do you sit down to pee? I sure do. It's comfy. Thanks for tweeting about the show and tagging at Pretending Pod Dale Armont from Arkansas. He writes, I have no idea what to say. How is Wolf doing? Traveling through space and time probably chafes your nips. Does Wolf even have nips? If he does, I hope they're staying safe. The wonderful tones of PTBP would soothe those nips, I bet. Godspeed, Wolf the Dog's nips. <laughs> oh, wow, Dale. A wolfie never reveals their secrets, especially secrets about their incredibly moisturized nipples. Wink. If you want to write up something for your wolf to howl, send in your message as a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and I'll read it here on 694.2 PTBP, Ocean City, New Jersey's newest and only radio station, probably. And I'll be right back after a word from our only sponsor. <clears throat> Zach. What's up, what's up? It's Zach. I am here to tell you four things. First, I want to say thank you to this community. After some last-minute donations from you folks, we've raised $1,525 to help keep Springfieldians warm this winter. That's absolutely incredible. Thank you to each and every one of you listening who's told a friend about the show or joined the Patreon or tagged us on the internet. This is all thanks to you. Second, I want to say thank you to all of you eager listeners for your patience. Here's a little life update. Taylor and I have moved back to Springfield, Missouri, and we will be in Springfield, Missouri until we eventually die in Springfield, Missouri. We love it here. The food game is strong. It's cheap. I just started a big boy job at a real company, and we're about to move into a rental while we house hunt in this super fun market. Uh, I'm hoping the transition won't affect our release schedule too much, but I'm an optimist for real, though. Uh, we have some really cool shit planned, and we're all super stoked about it. So, third... We just recently released our 27th Patreon bonus episode. Luke GM'd a game of Uncanny Rally for Joe, Thomas, and me. It's one of those uh, one-page RPGs from Grant Howitt. We played malfunctioning military androids on the run. It was delightfully silly, and Luke did a wonderful job leading us on our wacky way. So for five bucks a month, you can hear that 
and 26 other bonus episodes, which do include a 13-episode-long, mostly homebrew Delta Green campaign that winds through time by connecting surviving agents from each mission to continued unnatural mysteries and military conspiracies. And finally, if you're an esteemed, naughty denizen of the den of sin, get ready for this Thursday... The Eve of New Year's Eve, January 30th at 7 p.m. Central Time. We're going to hang out and celebrate the end of 2021, talk about our plans for 2022. And we're also each in charge of bringing a segment to the episode, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, If you have any suggestions, post them on the internet and uh, come hang out this Thursday night. Yeah, New Year's Eve's eve january 30th at 7 p.m central time okay sorry that took so long thanks for listening to our podcast bye if that sad zach character gave you the blues and god knows he gives me the blues you're welcome to cheer up now it's time for the news a former delta greed agent named Arvon chilton is missing and on the run today after a string of brutal homicides have all pointed in his singular direction. He is assumed to be armed and dangerous. Again, this is a former Delta Green agent named Arvon Chilton. Mr. Chilton parked his car in the driveway of his ex-wife, Eileen McCarty, and her new husband, Marcus McCarty. Then, this fucking dude, Arvon Chilton, walked inside, disabled and tied up the new husband, and then slowly cut Eileen McCarty to pieces in front of the guy. Later, Arvin Chilton carefully cut out the new husband's eyes, all before he disemboweled and untied the blind, bleeding out broken man. Marcus McCarty died sometime later, crawling towards the front door. Welcome to 694.2. If you aren't down with that level of awful, this show might not be good for you. But for now, let's just groove on this melodic palate cleanser that's brand spanking new. It's Brian Bolger with Bad in a Good Way. Feels like I'm on the last bend of the deep end, but the drowning's been just fine. And when my ears pop, Shell shock of this pit stop frees my mind. I'll be alright, I can go there now that I stare death in the face. I'll be alright, I can go there now that I stare death in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pretending to Be People. Uh, We're going to play Control Copy, which is a Delta Green scenario written by Dennis Detwiller, one of the creators of the game Delta Green, the role-playing game. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Oh, too much. Woo! (laughs) Uh, We are playing Control Copy specifically because we put up a poll... Put up a poll. Put up a poll. On our Patreon... And only those who pay us money could vote. And only those who pay us money could vote. And they chose Control Copy. Hey, let's introduce ourselves to anyone who is listening to this who hasn't 
listened to us before. My name is Zach, and I'm going to be your handler today, as well as uh, after you listen to this, when you go back and listen to all of season one of Pretending to Be People, I'll be the handler for that as well. I'm Joe. I uh, I, I play. I'm one of the characters. I play in all the games. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> what is your role, Joe? How do you see your role here at Pretending to Be People? I think the most official role I have is note taker. And even that's tenuous at times because I get involved in what's happening and forget to write stuff down. That happens to everybody, man. That's that's role playing, baby. Yeah, that's what That's happened is. to Luke and I for the last uh, <laughs> like I was 60 so en- episodes. I was so enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Luke. I play too. And my goal, my your role. Goal? What's your goal? Goal, have fun. Yeah. Role. Have fun. <laughs> uh, I don't take notes. <laughs> um, they're all up here. He pointed uh, he at his points head. At his head. Yeah. Audio. Um, he pointed at Joe's notebook. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I just kind of go with the flow and I try to get things rolling. You know. Yes, you certainly do that. We, you can really feel the energy, just like. Rolling. shooting off of him <laughs> I, i'm thomas uh and sometimes i take notes and um, <laughs> i love that this just became whether or not you take notes notes or no notes. i plan to take notes on this campaign um <laughs> joe is like i'm joe and i'm a character so i just want to make it clear that i'm thomas and i'm a person <laughs> but i do play characters on this show <laughs> all right so that's us and this is uh, this is Delta Green, and we're going to play Delta Green. Are you guys ready to play I'm Delta scared. Green? I'm <laughs> scared. Normally on uh, on season one of Pretending to Be People, we played an amalgamation of Delta Green and Pulp Cthulhu, and you guys had lots of hit points and luck to spend. However, in this game today, you will have no special talents. Your hit points will be your strength plus your con divided by two, uh, as opposed to just strength plus con, and you will have no luck. So, let's introduce your characters. A young boy, far larger than average for his age, sits crying in the hallway of an elementary school as a group of children laugh and run away. He's wearing a yellow long sleeve t-shirt and blue overalls. His glasses are thick, thick enough to give the illusion that the wearer has cartoonishly giant eyes. The tears are magnified behind the glass lenses as he sniffles and laughs echo down the hallway. (laughs) A small boy approaches the weeping, hulking figure. They're assholes. Fuck them. What's your name, Bigfoot? (laughs) Kevin. The crying boy says as he wipes his face and looks up at the acne-ridden face of Elwood Boyd. Kevin wipes the sweat from his face and looks up into the stadium lights. The light glints off his athletic goggles, which give his eyes a bulging look. Minion! 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 The crowd chants his nickname as he stands on the field, towering above the other boys surrounding him. (laughs) Hike! The sound of young men shouting and football pads clashing fills the air. Kevin throws the boy opposite him to the ground with a crunch. His eyes focus on the opposing quarterback and he launches himself forward. The small, frail boy holding the football is almost invisible under Kevin's shadow as the monstrous high schooler leaps towards him. A piercing scream is heard as Kevin smashes into the child, sending the boy flying backwards and the football up into the air. 
Kevin jumps up to grab the ball and sprints towards the end zone. The entire crowd is chanting his name as he hulks toward the goal. When the minion reaches the end of the field, he spikes the football down. Instead of bouncing back into the air, the ball burrows itself into the earth. What's your last name again? Gelato. That's another defensive touchdown for Kevin Gelato and the Spiro Agnew High. Nope, I already have this written out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the Minions' five undefeated years here at Spiro Agnew High. The announcer shouts as the crowd runs onto the field. I'm so proud of you, bro. You're going to do big things. The voice of Stuart, Kevin's younger brother, fades out as we see Kevin standing in an elegant hallway with a dumb smile on his face. The smile quickly fades into a stony expression as Elwood's voice fades in, asking questions not necessarily intended to be answered by Kevin. Kevin gives Elwood a quick smile, but the eyes behind his goggles are deeply sad. Okay, Elwood. Let's go. Nice. And Elwood. Hey. <laughs> I'm playing Elwood. Elwood Boyd. And see, Kevin, if I uh, turn this here, click, and I snip this here, we should get... And a safe door slowly opens in front of them, revealing a cartoonish horde of jewels and cash. A smile spreads across Elwood Boyd's pale, pockmarked, and pimpled face, revealing rows of yellowed teeth that seem to have all collectively decided no two would grow in the same angle. <laughs> he stands wearing an argyle sweater vest over a yellow brown colored button up khaki pants and golfing shoes but the whole ensemble looks like it was recently retrieved from a dumpster all wrinkled and lightly and in some places not so lightly stained and fitting poorly kevin hands elwood a fresh duffel bag and elwood extends a thin bony arm to start scooping in the latest score see there's nothing to it well at least for me i don't know how you'd fare but it's, it's, it's like I can see the inner workings of these things. <clears throat> I always have. I, I don't know where this comes from. I, it's, uh, here, take this bag, too. And Elwood stands and hands over another duffel bag over to Kevin. Uh, he now has three draped over his body. All right, so we've gone through every room, right? I started to lose track. This place is so big. You said this guy was some kind of money manager or something. Hooey! Must be good in the manage, money engine. Fuck. <laughs> Must be good in the money managing. <laughs> Who we? Must be good money managing that money. <laughs> Let's try it again. <laughs> Must be good money in managing that money. Come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> we gotta go see Julian. They uh, make their way toward the garage at this point, passing rooms that have obviously been picked over. There's things kind of scattered here and there, but it's mostly empty rooms at this point. They walk by a kitchen, and there's a guy sprawled on the floor just in his boxers. Man, you really whacked him good, big guy. Yeah. He'll be out for hours. Uh-huh. Uh, right before they get to the garage door, they see a, a picture on the wall, and it's of a family all... I'm sorry, he jacked that guy off so good that <laughs> <laughs> he passed out for hours? Really got him. Whatever you say. <laughs> uh, there's a family photo on the wall right by the garage door of a family in like a fall setting. Hey, you almost forgot one, dummy. Even though it's just a picture, there's good money in frames. We can sell the frame. Uh, they get out to the garage. They load up the SUV of the homeowner. Elwood waits in the passenger seat. Come on, come on. We don't have all day. Well, I guess we kind of do. I already snipped the alarms and I took care of the cameras. 
And the security guy at the gate, you, you took care of him. Uh-huh. But anyway, I want to get out of here. Come on, let's go. Kevin walks out the door with a frame <laughs> and, and three duffel bags. Everything's just like packed on this dude yeah. like a mule. <laughs> That's how I was picturing it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Is this happening in the present day or like shortly after that high school game? No, this is present day. Yeah. You were you were daydreaming about that right. as we were doing this. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's actually perfect. <laughs> uh, they pull up into a, an old camera shop, and they pull around the back. They've done it a million times before, and they're greeted by Julian. Oh, he's your fence. He's my fence. Gotcha. Comes out and says, what would you bring for me today? Oh, just the usual. Some vases, socks, books, candlesticks, jewelry, bed sheets. Kevin, uh, tell some of the keys. He gets your car. Julian cuts him off and says, hey, smelly Ellie, you know I only care about the jewels, right? You don't have to make me sell people's socks. They're used. Elwood replies, (laughs) hey, they still work, don't they? That means they have value to somebody, and that means they have value to me. Socks. Socks. There's even some cash in this frame, I'm sure. Oh, Ellie, you took the family photos. He, uh, he assures them that there's going to be uh, uh, some cash for him in a week. Okay. After he sells all this sure, stuff. yeah. And uh, Elwood turns to Kevin and says, all right, let's, uh, let's head back home. Uh, maybe Ma's made chili. Oh, yeah. Chili. Uh, so they get back to Elmira Boyd's basement apartment. Okay. And oh, oh sh- they notice the uh, TV's on. Oh, shit. She's still awake. All right, come, come, come on. Is this your mom? Mm-hmm. Hey, 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 Ma. Uh, we're, we're home. Home. Uh, Elmira Boyd is laying on the couch in her nightgown and she stirs awake, kind of startled. Oh, did you boys have fun at the golf range? Uh, Elwood says, yeah, I hit two holes in one. Hole in one. She says, well, you you keep telling it. You should go pro. (laughs) I see these guys on TV. They aren't hitting holes in one every time they go out. It seems like you do. (laughs) Uh, she tousles his greasy mop top and kind of wipes her hand off on her nightgown. Ugh. Says she, she's going up to bed. I, I, I made some chili. There's some chili in the fridge there. Oh, and uh, somebody left that for you. It's uh, something about an opera. And uh, when Elwood hears this, his heart skips a beat. Yeah. And he turns to his mom. He's walking up the stairs and says, oh, um, thanks, mom. Uh, hey, uh, Kevin and I, we were thinking of taking a trip. We were uh, we going to go to... Um, uh, Colorado and hit the hit the golf courses out there. I heard they're beautiful. We might be uh, might be gone for a few days. You have a good night. Night. And uh, Elmira says, "Oh, uh, okay. You you boys have fun out there. Don't get in any trouble." He picks up the envelope. Perfect. 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 <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, can you give me a quick rundown of what your character looks like? Yeah, he's a uh, greasy and uh, he's got pimpled and pockmarked face. Uh, he's really uh, super duper skinny. Uh, he kind of walks around with his arms folded, but at the wrists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Amazing. And uh, yeah, he's wearing a, a ratty sweater vest and a button up with the collar popping out the top, but it all looks wrong. It just looks like it doesn't fit right. Maybe even the buttons are kind of mismatched. One year for Christmas, my grandma got me a sweater vest and it was matching the shirt, the long sleeve dress shirt that would go underneath it, right? Size on these two items, extra, extra large on the shirt and small on the vest. <laughs> Perfect. Hmm. Huh. Did it fit? You know, neither one did. <laughs> it was wrong both directions. <laughs> Just mix them together and you'll get the right size. Yeah, it, it, was, it was an interesting look. Very puffy in the arms. 
All right, let's. Well, Kevin. Yes, of course, please. Kevin uh, is very large, especially standing next to Elwood. Certainly. Uh, He's just shy of seven feet tall. Oh, my God. He is hundreds of pounds of of just muscle. Like, it looks like he works out multiple times a day. But, like, his skin is kind of, like, yellowish. He's got huge, instead of glasses, they're, like, like athletic goggles, like, you know, that you would play in wrapped around his head makes his eyes look huge is and he just bulgy. still most comfortable wearing those after wearing them for sports right it well because he wore them in when he played football he sported and in them in in like junior high and high school pretty much all he did was play football and hang out with elwood uh so it just kind of like became comfortable to him but you can tell like just the way he looks there's he's probably got something like genetically wrong with him because he just like never stopped growing and is huge and his head is kind of like oddly square. He's an Andre giant. <laughs> uh, or an Alton giant. Wadlow. Yeah, dude. Robert Wadlow. <laughs> Guy is huge. And he uh, he was from a town that was pretty near to where I, I grew up over by St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Huge motherfucker, that yeah. guy. But the, yeah, this guy's huge. Uh, yellow long sleeve t-shirt, blue like bib overalls, uh, those goggles. Uh, he's like bald except for like stealthy. Bald except for like three long stringy hairs that mm-hmm. he kind of comes over on his head. Oh, okay. So you've been building Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Homer Simpson. He's large but quiet. All right, sick. Uh, it seems to have kind of a soft voice that repeats yeah. Boyd's. Yeah, he can form full sentences, but doesn't like to a lot. He oh. likes El- Elwood speak for him. Okay. <laughs> and even Elwood isn't that great at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's meet someone who should be speaking for the group. <laughs> yeah, so as Kevin is daydreaming about his football stardom, his his five glorious years of <laughs> high school football, <laughs> Of undefeated high school football. Way, way in the background of that memory, behind the throng of cheering fans, you see Clarissa Sparrow, short, serious student body president. She's managing a small hot dog stand, the profits from which will benefit a local canine leukemia fund. She gets visibly flustered at the sophomore working the stand with her, who is chatting with some friends instead of boiling dogs. Clarissa snaps to get his attention and points sharply at his station. She glares at his friends and they sheepishly disperse. Clarissa takes a deep sigh and massages her temples and then turns around with a genuine smile. And she asks for Mrs. Elmira Boyd's order. Is there a limit? I just want to support those sick little doggies as much as I can. I'm so sorry. We only have 10 hot and ready at the moment, Mrs. Boyd. We would have more if everyone was doing their duty. Come back in a few minutes, and we'll have as many as you can carry. I promise. Oh, well, thank you, Clarissa. You're you're such a darling. It's so sweet of you to help those pups like this. Kevin's daydream is reaching its moment of climactic triumph over <laughs> on the field. He's he's spiking the ball. The crowd's going crazy, and as as they erupt cheering his name, man yet, man yet. Clarissa's head kind of darts over inadvertently towards the field, and the sophomore working with her takes that moment too dip away from the stand and disappear into the crowd with his friends. She's more hurt than angry. What makes it so hard for other people to do the right thing? Work hard, follow the rules, do what is expected, stay true to your word, and you'll have a good life. She shakes that thought from her mind and gets back to work. There are hot dogs to move. In the present day, Kevin is snapping out of his daydream 
as Elmira Boyd offers him and Elwood the chili and mentions the envelope that came for them. Elsewhere in the world that night, Agent Clarissa Sparrow, criminal profiler for the FBI, is coming home to her small one-bedroom apartment. She opens the door and finds an identical envelope slipped under it. She's currently dressed in a, a smart, sensible gray pantsuit, and she has the same smart, sensible haircut she did in Kevin's Daydream back in high school. She's staring intensely at the envelope as a cat comes up and rubs her leg in greeting, and she thinks about the way she's tried to live her life since then. Work hard, follow the rules, do what's expected of you, stay true to your word. She never questioned that that was the right path until her first night at the opera. She saw things on that mission that shook her to the core. The minds of hardened veterans cracked apart under supernatural pressures. The bodies of innocents torn apart by unnatural forces. And the lies, bribes, and killings that had taken her and her other agents to conceal the truth that had been unleashed. Her composure, though, distinguished her on that first mission. Where more senior agents had lost their minds, she kept it together, and she was soon asked to move from, from friendly to agent. She draws on that composure now, massaging her temples, taking a deep sigh. She leans down, scratches the cat's ear, and picks up the envelope. Nice. So we've got our three characters. Quick, give me a rundown of what Clarissa looks like, and also what is her last name? Sparrow. Oh, Clarissa Sparrow. I like it. All right, and what does she look like when we see Clarissa? Is she still short, serious, and the student body president? Yes. <laughs> Clarissa Sparrow, that's kind of a, a very subtle, kind oh, of a yeah. very subtle little nod to so Clarice subtle. Starling in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> and she looks exactly like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Which was playing when I arrived here today. Research. <laughs> I'd never seen Silence of the Lambs, and while we were setting up, I feel like I kind of watched the whole thing. You saw most of it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much did, yeah. I saw all the like the key scenes, I think, that I was like, oh, that's from this. Yeah. It puts the lotion in the basket. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was cool, dude. Yeah. I just like I, I just want to have that mindset. You know, like I'm jealous. Like, are you supposed to be jealous oh, that, of that character? That wild Bill, <laughs> that wild Bill grind set. <laughs> Hashtag grind set. These envelopes that have been left for you summon you to a nearby airport and give you access to a private aircraft hangar. And there, you are briefed on this mission by a lone member of the special access group with identification from the National Reconnaissance Office. And he introduces himself as John Smith. Uh, you're given file work on the case. And this case involves a former Delta Green agent named Arvin Chilton. And Arvin Chilton was a Delta Green agent for a long time and then he retired in Ocean City, New Jersey. Well, hmm, recently, it seems, Arvin Chilton has gone on a bit of a murder spree. His ex-wife is dead. His ex-wife's partner, new husband, is dead. His old partner is dead. There's also a gas station attendant who is dead. Arvin Chilton was seen on camera stabbing this gas station employee in the back and then disemboweling him 
as a car pulled up and filled their tank of gas not five feet from where this disembowelment was taking place. The person filling up their tank kind of looks around. It looks like they're hearing something. They almost look in the exact direction of Chilton and this dying man. But then the driver just puts the gas pump back in and gets in their car and drives off. That's probably what flagged Delta Green the most. (laughs) So, your three agents are placed on a private aircraft and flown to Woodbine Municipal Airport in Woodbine, New Jersey, which is approximately five miles from Ocean City, New Jersey, as well as the apartment of Arvin Chilton. Excuse me. Hmm? Is your name Kevin Gelato? Yes. Uh, I don't know if you remember me. Um, Clarissa Sparrow. Agent Clarissa Sparrow, uh, FBI. Kevin kind of looks at her and it cuts to Kevin uh, crying in the bathroom at school and Clarice like... Clarissa, Clarissa. Clarissa Clarissa is banging on the door and she's like, I'm sorry, but you need a hall pass. You didn't have a bathroom pass. You need to come out immediately. Kevin comes out and Clarissa like sees he's crying and comforts him but yeah she's like patting him on the back while also riding up a little like <laughs> riding him up with the other hand yeah it's like I understand that this is a tough time in our lives where everybody's got some hidden battle they don't see but it only really takes a couple seconds to get that bathroom pass and the rules are there for a reason thank you and he comes back into reality and oh yeah hi hey hi what are you doing here i don't have a bathroom pass <laughs> what you're the hall monitor i'm with the fbi i was a hall monitor for all 12 years of my public schooling uh-huh you were the football giant uh-huh weren't you gonna go pro those days are behind him now. jesus christ <laughs> Uh, Elwood turns sideways and you finally see him. Yeah. He leers out from behind the giant. Oh, look, it's the little birdie. Elwood Boyd, smelly Ellie. Good to see you, I guess. How how you been? I never never wrote up anybody more than you. You sure did seem to have a thing for me, yeah. I had a thing for justice. Still do. That's why I'm here. Why are you two here? Elwood. (laughs) It's his reason. (laughs) (laughs) We're here for a thing. Um, Thing. It's it's opera night. Mm -hmm, Opera. You two are here for the night at the opera. You can reach in and find what was left for you in this envelope, which was FBI credentials that will not hold up for more than, you know, two or three days. But they'll hold up for a little bit. Yeah, it uh, looks like we're on the same playing field today. Clarissa is now terrified because she has actual FBI credentials. <laughs> right. She knows she's going to have, like, if these two fuck up when she's trying to interact with real FBI, yeah, it's going to mean everything she's worked for could go down the shitter. Yeah. But hey, they seem on the up and up. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like uh, Kevin and I here uh, possess a, a set of skills that are indispensable for today. What do you... What do you make of that? Did Delta Green pair, you know, like a character sheet for you? Any kind of overview? (laughs) What skills would those be? (laughs) 
I'm, uh, I'm good at uh, getting into places, and I can uh, take things without people seeing that those things got taken. I smash. <laughs> okay, so we got a, a Hulk and a thief. As much as I'm loath to admit it, those skills might come in handy. I reckon you couldn't get by without us. I reckon I could get by without just about anyone. But uh, here's the deal. If, if you two have to pass as, as FBI with me, you're going to keep your mouth shut when we're talking to real FBI. You're not going to embarrass me. You're not going to jeopardize what I do outside of this. In order, I'd say sure, maybe, and we'll see. <laughs> Thomas doesn't remember what he just proposed <laughs> to you, so yeah. yeah. I was like, what is your... <laughs> if Elwood likes it, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, well, they, they summoned us. They, they obviously see that we are needed here, and we're going we're gonna to do what we can. Okay, so she's got your credentials, like in her, the FBI credentials in her hands, and she's like, consider these hall passes. This is a privilege and not a right, and it can be revoked at any moment. And she passes it out to you. Th- th- uh, yeah, thanks. Once you've landed, the pilot actually pops out from the pirate's cabin. <laughs> which, which it says on the door and he's got a peg leg and a fun three-point hat with a with a skull and crossbones on it and it's it's themed chartered airplanes yeah, it's yeah. march 25th which is when these <laughs> this specific company celebrates halloween <laughs> and and he says "Arr, there's a car outside waiting for ye <laughs> And there's a there's a key, a skeleton key that's on the wheel. Thanks for flying our American <laughs> Airlines. <laughs> and so there's a car waiting for you guys. What kind of car do you want? A Jaguar. Okay, there's a Jaguar. A Jaguar. For you. <laughs> Jaguar. Okay, there's an old shitty used Jaguar waiting for you guys to the point to where like the the mount like the the hood ornament is missing. This is like a beat up old Jag. Can I use my uh, mechanic role to? I kn- <laughs> Which is what we call my uncle. <laughs> uh, I uh, Kevin would know uh, that on this old Jag, the hood ornament actually pops out. Ah. Uh, so can I do a mechanic role to see if I can get it to pop out? Absolutely, you can. <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys see this enormous monstrosity in a yellow shirt and blue overalls and these big thick goggles and three strands of hair walk over to this car and kind of kind of touch in where the hood ornament should be and he like pokes it but his finger just goes down into the metal. He poked it way too hard. And he, like, completely destroys where it would pop out. Just, like, pressing aluminum foil. Yeah. Like, crushing a little tin little Coke can. Kevin gets in the passenger seat of the car, and the car just, like, almost touches the ground with him in it. As you guys head off to the Ocean City Police Department, it's currently March 25th, 2016, the first murder happened on March 21st. So that was 4 days ago. It is strange that there's some 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 reason that he looked right directly at it happening and he didn't do uh-huh. anything about it. Nothing. You think maybe he was scared? Yeah. Do you think that? Perhaps there was some sort of optical 
refraction in the way, some natural phenomenon we can't really see getting in the way. Maybe some kind of glare on the window. El- Elwood, you've been reading those ma- magic books I don't like. Maybe, is there something like that? There was nothing in Penn and Teller's How to Do Magic to <laughs> prepare me for this, no. Yeah, I, I don't, never liked it. It's always made me scared. I love Penn and Teller. They are good, aren't they? They're serious. He pulled a card out of my ear. I couldn't feel it in there. <laughs> maybe he's a magician. Could, uh, I guess I guess maybe some kind of sleight of hand. He, he distracted him. He maybe waved his hand in the air, and that's what the guy looked at, and then... And maybe we didn't see that happen because it worked on us, too. Is this your first night at the opera? No, I've, uh, I've, I've done a couple. You ever see anything on either of those nights that might be explained by close-up magic? You think you get one of those envelopes when Penn and Teller are loose? Well, I, I, it says here he was, a, he was a Delta Green agent. I assume that they just want us to make sure that all the T's are dotted and the I's are crossed. Cast your eyes. If he's a magician, he's uh, bad. He he does he does seem to leave a, a trail of bodies everywhere he goes. That's that's not something the pen and teller do, as far as I know. Agent Clarissa puts in some headphones and starts reviewing the files herself. <laughs> <laughs> the Ocean City Police Station is buzzing. It is an extremely busy day here. People are running around. It's uh, it's around 11.30 a.m. on March 25th, 2016. Someone greets you at the counter as the three of you arrive and... Um, yeah, yes. Hi. Special Agent Clarissa Sparrow, FBI. These are my partners on this particular task force. She slapped Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Lucas waving. Kevin, Kevin starts yeah. waving really big. And too. Clarissa, like, without even looking, just, like, slaps his hand down behind her. <laughs> Elwood's kind of in the back, legs kind of crossed, looking at the floor. Quinlan and Gambison are still at lunch, but you can talk to Garza, Agent Garza from the FBI. You, sorry, he's in the first conference room. That's where we have him set up. Thank you. And she points. And you see an extremely large man, massively obese in his mid-60s. He has a graying comb-over and a gray suit. He's wearing a red tie. And you see red suspenders are poking out from his suit jacket, which will not even get close to closing. Like, to the point to where you can see both suspenders in full visibility. And he's just om-nomming a grinder. He is just going to town. He's just like, oh, come in, come in, come on in. Sit down. Are you the FBI? Oh, sorry, I got to get through this lunch while we're going. If that's cool. I'm just going to eat while I talk. Is that good? You like that? Elva, do you want him to eat while we talk? Uh, sure. It's- good. Yeah. Hey, hey. Uh, he goes, stands up, goes to shake your hand, and he's got mayo like all over his fingers. And he's like, oh, shit. And he uh, rubs it just immediately on his jacket and then reaches his hand back out and says, yeah. Agent Garza, but uh, everybody calls me Uncle Jimmy. Clarissa um, Jimmy. nods curtly, does not extend her hand, and says, uh, Agent Clarissa Sparrow, pleased to meet you, Agent Garza. Sparrow. Ha! All right. Sounds good. Agent Boyd. And Boyd. I, and I firmly grab his hand, and when I pull it away, uh, I, I do a quick lick of 
my hand. Jesus. Oh, Whoa. God. Ah, did you get some of my sandwich in there? Some of the mayonnaise was on there. It's fine. Okay. All right. Hi. <laughs> wow, you're a big fella, aren't you? <laughs> did you play game? Mm-hmm. Those days are behind him, though. I I still like to think about it. I mean, you, you look like you could go pro any second. I could have. What happened? Elwood told me not to. He decided not to. Yeah, well, I decided not to. Well, let's get down to brass tacks here. And he slams pictures down on the desk in front of you. Also, quick shout out to Dylan B. from Deadwood, South Dakota for the NPC Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy. Deadwood is just a TV show. (laughs) And Dylan B. uh, is a patron at at least our $10 level. So he gets to create an NPC and a location that might get used. An impic. An impic. And this is an impic. Uh, and so we've got this jovial man uh, who insists that everyone call him uncle who is out of breath and sweating with any movement. Nice. <sighs> All right, let's get down. Uh, and he slams these pictures down on the table and it is horribly disturbing crime scene photos. So everyone roll sanity for me. Pass. I also pass a 29 on a 45. I got a 14 on a 45. 72 on an 80. Oh, wow. Okay, so everyone... Wow. 80, Jesus. So everyone passes. You are going to lose no sanity. You've all seen stuff like this, and he looks up at your faces, and then he looks back down at these bloody, violent pictures where this normal home has been completely torn up, and the two victims are missing their eyes and tongues. Blood is covering the faces and splattering the ground behind them. And the woman, Eileen McCarty, the ex-wife of Arvin Chilton, is basically, it's impossible to tell who she is. And even her husband, it's impossible to really make out their, their faces because without an eyes... And with all this blood covering bruises, without and, uh, eyes, without eyes, it's going to be hard to recognize these these folks. And he he slams down. And he goes, "Now, you see anything crazy out of the ordinary? You you looked at all this information. You saw there's no sign of forced entry. Clearly, like a neighbor even saw the the husband and wife let this ex husband into their house. You saw the weapon. It was this large hook knife, I guess. But me personally, if you're asking me." Which you are? I don't think that that body, and he points at this just destroyed face, I don't think that that's Eileen McCarty. What reason do you have to believe that that's not Eileen McCarty? Eileen McCarty was seen by witnesses in New York State on March 23rd at a gas station. When was this picture taken? That was March 21st. That was the day of the murder. Medical examiner said, you know, uh, torture, death. The torture was prolonged, extremely violent, obviously. And he taps really hard and gets mayonnaise all over the pictures that he's put out on this desk. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried. You guys are here. You guys are here to take care of everything. And I understand that we needed reinforcements on this thing. It's already been three days. Everything's up in the air right now. Everyone's pretty fucking confused. But I think... One of three things is going to happen. He's either going to use his credit card, which we've tagged. He's going to get pulled over or ticketed in a known car. Or he's just going to overplay his hand in some other way. He's going to make a mistake and then we'll get him. He's a desperate man. Desperate man make desperate moves. And that allows for reasonable people to catch him. 
is the uh, the footage from the gas station? Is that his last known appearance for us? Yeah, yeah, it's the last time uh, last time we saw him. Also, that gas station, I think, and he like picks around at some of his notes. He's like, yeah, actually, that gas station is where Eileen 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 McCarty was seen the same day of that murder. She was seen there. Eileen McCarty was seen at the same gas station where that attendant was brutally murdered by... Yeah, and two days after, she supposedly died. According to what witnesses? Multiple witnesses. Who? Multiple. Is that all you, Zach, know? Multiple witnesses! (laughs) What do you want to know? What do you want to know if they're, like, smart? If they could see? I don't know. I want to know why people in not her state at a gas station could identify her we were showing photos have we identified the person on that footage that pulled up to the gas station and no the one who left no but uh we did identify the uh the guy who died his name is quentin harris who's 59 do you think the guy in the car that drove off did it well no no because oh it's on tape it's arvin chilton you saw it Uh uh-huh yeah okay yeah you saw that right yeah do you want to watch it again? He, no. no, he's 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 well aware. He's testing you. He's a uh, he's got uh, a, an interesting uh, investigative mind. Mm. But uh, why don't you save the mind games for Kevin? Is extremely confused, but just nods his head and agrees. <laughs> Was Eileen McCarty seen at the gas station before or after the murder? Before. How long before? Uh, he picks through a couple more notes. Mayo is just spreading throughout. Slowly getting on everything. If any of those drops kind of come near Elwood, he's wiping a finger up and tasting it. Oh, Uncle Jimmy looks over at Clarissa and is just like, how long have uh, you three been working together? This partnership is very recent. Hmm. I'm sorry. He's been my friend a long time. Yeah, I get that. I see that in the two of you. All right. So, yeah, if you want any phone records, there's really not much there. We've got it tracked and an alert is set on it. So if he makes any phone calls, we're going to know about it. And I think that's how we're going to get him. Uh, the, nothing nothing out of sorts. Uh, he did call Eileen on the morning of March 16th. So that's five days pre-death, uh, supposed death of Eileen McCarty. Did we try just calling him? Yeah. What happened? He didn't pick up. Can I try? No. I mean, sure. You can if you want. <laughs> I don't care. I, yes, I, I and, dial the phone like... number. Okay. Did you learn answer. about that March 16th call from phone records? Yeah. How long did they indicate that that phone call lasted? Two minutes, one second. 71 seconds. Oh, 71 is wrong. Huh. 121. Oh, math was never my strong suit. Uncle Jimmy's good at a lot of stuff. Math ain't it. Ha! Do you have many <laughs> big bite of Do you have many nieces and nephews, Agent Garza? Yeah. Four. What are their full names? What do they do? <laughs> Where were they on March twenty third? Why? Anything that can help. It's weird. Didn't you uh, say? We've also got credit card tracking info. Uh, it's completely normal. Until March twentieth, day before the first murder. Becomes irregular and then ceases. What does that mean? Yeah, uh, it got weird and then stopped. Like what? Yeah, basically, uh, he he was clearly using the card not in Ocean City. The card was being used 
uh, up toward New York, and then it just stops. So it's clear that he used it, then committed the murder, hasn't used it since. And what was his last call? Uh, let's see. Go to the last page. Flip, 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 flip. Uh, yeah, uh, it goes to Alexander Duchesne. What do we know about him? He's the, uh, he's the landlord. Of Chilton? Yeah, he's Arvin Chilton's landlord. Alexander Duchesne, old guy. How long did that call last? Uh, that call was 29 seconds. Or zero minutes and 29 seconds. Have we we talked to him? Quick math. Have we talked to Duchesne? Yeah, Um, we've talked to Duchesne. What did he say? Talked to him on the 23rd. He said that Arvin's been living with him for five years. Arvin lives upstairs. It's like one of those like houses where just the upstairs is a, an apartment. It's got an external doorway, for, stairs on the outside. Gone up there into Arvin's apartment, but downstairs is where the old man lives. Uh, I don't know, man. Seems like a shut-in. When when Eileen was at that gas station, was that uh, Quinlan on, on duty at that time? Did she have contact with Quinlan? Uh, yeah, let's look. And he'll uh, flip through some video and... Uh, oh no oh wow yeah no uh, all the inside tapes must have gotten taken Bye. that's really weird who took them <laughs> no I mean like we never got him and he's flipping through and he's looking yeah they were never checked in Clarissa gives a little cough and she says can I speak with my associates in the hallway for one moment yeah, actually, uh, I'm really busy here as he, like, finishes this huge sandwich. There's a third of it left, and he just shoves the entire thing in his mouth, and he's like, I wrap up here. And so uh, if you guys want to head over to Chilton's and just kind of get lay of the land, uh, I'm sure you can talk to uh, when, uh, uh, oh, what are their names? Uh, Quinlan and Gambison, the PDs around here, uh, they'll be back after lunch and you can you can talk to them uh but yeah go ahead and just uh head on out and uh we'll talk we'll catch up later if you want but he has seen the video he has he's very confused by it it doesn't make any sense to him and so that's all he he passed his sanity check and he's like yeah i don't know people are strange the guy probably didn't want to be caught up in anything just needed to get away you know the bystander effect he honestly probably had a little pot on him you know a lot of them do yeah Bystanders. Yeah, bystanders typically more like high standers. Am I right? That's very funny, Agent Garza. Thank you. Uh, Uncle Jimmy. You can call me Uncle Jimmy. This was, um, thank you for your assistance, Agent Garza. Thanks for coming. All right. Uh, yeah, holler if you need anything. Here's my phone number. Here's my card. I'll be here or I'll be elsewhere. <laughs> Isn't that how it always goes? Where are you guys staying? You have a pleasant evening. Okay. <laughs> when you guys pull up to Arvin Chilton's apartment, it is literally half a mile from the police station. This neighborhood is really nice. It's just this like March 20, what is it? March 25th? Shit. Mm-hmm. March 25th. It's a beautiful, sunny day. Big fluffers are up in the clouds and blue skies. All of these buildings have like white trim on the columns and the stairwells and the, the um, what are these, Thomas? Railings? Like a railing, yeah. Like railings are all uh, white. You pull up to a cute little baby blue home. It's two stories. And like 
Uncle Jimmy said, there is a staircase on the left side of this house that leads up to a tiny little duplex up above this tiny little home. And you guys pull up at about 12.30 p.m. It's about 12.30 p.m. We've just arrived at the home of... Are you, like, talking into yeah, a... Yeah, she's talking <laughs> to a voice recorder. Are you, uh, are you going to be taking notes this whole time? Does that make you uncomfortable, Mr. Boyd? I feel like we need to be careful about what kind of records we keep on a case like this. Yeah, we need to be careful. You're absolutely right, but I have to keep some official records since we are technically investigating this for the FBI. There has to be the official cover, and then... And then every now and then it, it switches off. Wink, wink. You roughly get the idea, yeah. Kevin walks up the stairs and knocks on the door, and it, like, shakes the <laughs> home. With every step of yeah. these shaky old stairs, this thing is, like, almost giving way under Kevin. <laughs> and when you get up there, you see a sign on the door. Taped up, police, investigation, ongoing, blah, 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 blah. Nonsense. Agent Garza gave you keys to Chilton's apartment. What's going on? And there is a light on uh, in the downstairs apartment. Yeah, uh, Kevin's hands are a little too big to really functionally use a key, so he steps back. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had you be a thief, and then uh, I gave you keys <laughs> to get in. That's my bad, Joe. Okay. Yeah, that was the only time this was going to come in handy. <laughs> He, he was pulling out the lockpick set from his back pocket and then saw a Agent Sparrows put a key in the door and he just deflates even more. <laughs> I guess we're still waiting for that skill set to come in use. There will be a time. I'm sure of it. Perhaps this whole mission will be the time that you learn that your criminal ways will not pay. I mean, they, they, they paid for most of things in my life so far. I, they, they paid. They paid. Pretty good. She turns on you, like, and is like brandishing the key, like, in your face, and she's like, "No, sir. You will receive your comeuppance, but I'm willing to work with your kind of against these unnatural forces." Don't do that to him. And Kevin's standing there, like, pushing away the threatening key from <laughs> Elwood's face. <laughs> All right, then, as long as we understand each other. And Clarissa is genuinely very intimidated by the. Robert Wadlow, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who, who wouldn't be? Are you okay? <laughs> Thank, uh, thanks for having my back there, Kevin. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Oh, I was a little worried. <laughs> it's a 640-square-foot apartment, and this that is... This looks like about 640-square-feet. <laughs> right here must be... Tens of dollars. So you walk into the bedroom. Like when you open up the door, you're walking into the studio. It's a it's a bedroom, and there's one door to the bathroom. All around, there's a record collection. There's a bunch of Elvis Presley. Uh, There's a bookshelf filled with the works of the immortal bard himself, William Shakespeare, as well as a DVD collection that shows he did not shy away from the film adaptations. And there's really not much else around here. So he's got like these Shakespeare's and some books, and then also DVD copies of just those same plays and yeah. books. Yeah. Uh, is there a computer anywhere near? There's the not apartment? a computer now. Well, it looks like there's nothing to see here. Let's move on to the next place. <laughs> Everybody, roll alertness for me. Critical success, fifty-five on an eighty. A regular success, a thirty on a seventy. I got a ninety-seven. Okay, so Kevin is completely startled. Boyd, El, El, Elmer, El, Elwood, Elwood, 
Elwood Boyd is not startled. You you see this coming, but before you even see anyone creeping up behind you and kind of like putting themselves around the doorway, Clarissa, you smell old bandages in the air. Yuck. The odor is strong enough for you to immediately turn around. She turns around and expects to find a mummy. (laughs) (laughs) Expecting a mummy, you see Alexander Duchesne. He is 79 years of age. He is around five foot six, 210 pounds, old man. He has carefully quaffed white hair and he has heavy black glasses. He is clothed in old, often mended clothing and a pork pie hat. And he has a long winding scar up the right half of his face. It's clear that he drinks due to the large nose with burst capillaries just filling this big, almost like pulsating thing on the on the tip of his nose. And he moves slowly, seemingly with great pain as he kind of like pops his head around the side and is like, Hello, oh, more officers. Hello, more officers. Hello there. Before he can, he's like coming up the stairs into the doorway behind yeah, us. he's right there. Before he can like get in, Clarissa is advancing like with her badge out and she says, Special Agent Clarissa Sparrow, uh, sir, this is an active crime scene investigation. You were compromising that crime scene. Uh, are you Mr. Duchesne? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. The landlord, Mr. Duchesne. Gonna have to ask you to go back downstairs. Slowly, he raises his hands in the air with a wry smile, and he's like, "Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sir. Sir, we're gonna come speak to you in a moment. Okay. Please, okay, please do. Come on. Please come wait on for downstairs. us downstairs. Whenever you're ready. Yes, fine. That's fine. And he slowly creeps back around, and like you can almost hear his bones creaking <laughs> with the pain look on his face as he as he turns around, and it's like, okay. And just kind of waves one hand up in the air as his other hand grabs the rail, like, intensely. Kevin waves back at him. And he heads back down the stairs. Hi. That was the landlord. Elwood wants to um, clock this apartment for things that uh, might be valuable. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead and roll search. Can I help him? Or criminology. Yeah, absolutely. This is what you guys do. Fuck. I critically fail (laughs) either one. (laughs) I've got a 60... Criminology, and I rolled a 77. There's a Shakespeare play inside the book has a pamphlet like you would receive when you went and actually saw a play. What are those called? A playbill. Playbill. A playbill. When you when you flick through some of these these books, this playbill pops out, and you are dead fucking certain that a. This is from an early original, like one of the first American runs of this Shakespeare production. This is a Globe Theater playbill. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like signed by some important director who... signed by John Wilkes Booth. It's signed by John Wilkes Booth. Wasn't his brother an actor? I think he was. was He He was a very famous actor. And so you are dead fucking positive that this is going to bring in at least like 10 grand. I, I pocket it. I try to do it fee Oh, you don't. They both see you. 
Oh, I see you get that, and I just like grab a random book and put it in my like <laughs> back pocket. <laughs> what the hell? What? What are you grabbing evidence for? It's signed by John Wilkes Booth. This gets a pretty penny. I grab it from his hands. I grab it from it. her hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do a uh, dexterity competition. Do I? Am I? No, you're okay. not in this. Crit fail. Oh, my God. Regular fail. All right. Well, that still means that you- We uh, rip the book in half. Yeah, you 100% rip the book in half. <laughs> oh, no, I thought it loses all its value. Oh, God. You did this. You did this. A little tear starts to form at the edge of Kevin's eye. Damn it. Kevin. It wasn't your fault, he Kevin. He did this. <laughs> he start. You two. You keep your hands to yourself. Stand right in the middle of this room. Don't touch anything else. Elwood kind of rolls his eyes, but also looks at Kevin like, that sounds like she knows what she's doing. Okay. Now, let me use my investigator's eyes to search this room. Do it. 35 success. Nice. You find there's a record collection with a bunch of Elvis Presley. There's a bookshelf <laughs> filled with the works of the immortal bard himself, William Shakespeare, uh-huh, uh-huh. one of which is torn in half on the floor. And you also see a DVD collection that shows he did not shy away from the film adaptations. Everything appears to be as it seems in this room. Should we go rough up the landlord? <laughs> If it, uh, if it comes to that, of course, Kevin, that just can't be our immediate. We're on official business here. And he says that kind of sarcastically with an eye toward Sparrow. Sparrow doesn't catch that, and she, like, nods in approval. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, I'll put my mean face on. And his face turns mean. <laughs> but it actually is, like, kind of scary. Like, the happy, dumb smile goes to, like, a serious, like, zoned-in Can I do an, face. an idea roll? Yeah. For some, for anything we might be missing here. Yeah, sure. What is that based off of? Intelligence. Pass. 62 on a 70. You have cleaned this room. Like, it is. it has been clocked. You have garnered all the information you are going to get from Arvin Chilton's apartment. I believe we've gathered everything we can here. Let's at go. At this time. At this time. Let's go talk with Mr. Duchesne. That does seem like the next course of action after you no no i insist after you i start clomping down the stairs as you're clomping down the stairs you actually hear coming out of the basement not even basement just the first floor apartment of this two-story duplex this uh this high wine Is he making his tea? Yeah, he's making his tea. That's nice. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Okay, the, <laughs> the, the entire house shakes, and, and you hear a, a coughing fit from inside, just this... Coming, coming, coming. And the door opens, and you see this man. It's the same man as before. <laughs> And he's he's wearing the same clothes. Uh, it's crazy. And this close to him, you're overwhelmed by his odor. He smells really bad. And for the two of you who didn't smell it earlier, it's like old bandages bad. And he seems to have a cold. He's like coughing and he's just like sniffling a bunch. He invites you inside really eagerly. He's just like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, um, I, I have tea. I have 
tea for you guys if you want tea. Um, I've put out some some plates. Um, I've got some more food. Here's some chairs. You can sit here and here. Um, your your name was Sparrow, right? Agent Sparrow. Do you have FBI. a card? I pass on my FBI card. Perfect. And do you guys have cards too? No, they're just getting theirs made up, unfortunately. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll do the, <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll wash my hands real quick. And he goes back and, and starts washing his hands. And you see, uh, looking around this place, you see a very sad home decorated by an old man with no relatives. There's an ashtray on the table, and it hasn't been used. It's clean. Uh, there's a bunch of rolled up newspapers in a bucket. Uh, a few mops are in the corner of the room, strangely. And there's an odd number of baseballs placed around. Uh, there's a copy of of as you like it sitting on the coffee table and he brings out a spread i mean just like a charcute but like the way a 79 year old shut-in would would bring you charcute and so it's just these like charcute cold cuts uh oh it's charcute as hell uh the charcuterie <laughs> is good it's cold cuts and some cheeses and then there's a bowl on the plate with some big olives on it green and black olives and he sits down and he's just like i'm sorry uh, bones he screams as he eases into a chair that you think is like the only place where he sits uh elwood wants to put a grimy finger into the olive bowl and pick up a bunch like as he's setting it down oh yeah yeah yeah. he's already <laughs> oh yeah yeah please please eat up eat up pretty sure i know what kind of mania joe took before this game started. <laughs> yeah as soon as uh kevin sees elwood doing that he's grabbing some stuff off the board but it's like one handful is like half of the stuff on there and yeah. it's just like <laughs> dig in dig in well uh, agent agent Sparrow, uh, dig in. I'm going to grab some tea for everyone. And he goes in and... No tea for me, please. You have chocolate milk? I do. I love chocolate milk. Who doesn't? Yeah. Love chocolate milk. Just make that too. Thank okay. you. Two chocolate milks. And you hear him rummaging in the fridge for a while. Can I do a search? Can someone else do a search of this room? <laughs> I'd like to clock. I'd like to clock around the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 38. Oh, crit success. Oh, thirty-three success. again. Regular pass with a sixteen. Okay, uh, with a regular pass, you think that the baseballs are placed very strangely around this room, and why does an old man have a bunch of baseballs hanging around? They're like a distinct a pattern. N- no, not really. Uh, what about to me? Roll sigint, <laughs> I guess. No, it's a fail. It's an 89 on a 40. Yeah, that ain't going to do it. And then with the crit success, you note he has a copy of As You Like It. To, for me, what which is, is that? written by Shakespeare. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's what I wanted to ask about. Does this copy of As You Like It look like it came from one of the sets upstairs? Yeah, totally. Okay. Same printing, same publishing company. Yeah. So yeah. Clarissa is picking it up and is holding it and waiting for him to get back in the room. Cool. Kevin's like, he likes Shakespeare too. So he comes back in with tea for himself and chocolate milk for Elwood and Kevin. And then he looks at Agent Sparrow and he's like, seriously, dig in. Hey, thanks. Are you a thief too? So she's holding the book. She says, complete works, William Shakespeare. Huffington, Huffington, uh, Fartington Publishers. <laughs> Third edition, 1976. Yeah. That's the same one that uh, Alvin Chilton had upstairs. Did you take this from his room? 
Oh, uh, no. Arvin lent that to me. He, he, he lent it to me to read. When? Can I human that? Yeah, you can human that. Fuck. It's a 52 on a 50. I got a 16 on an 80. Uh, I got a 45 on a 20. <laughs> With a success, uh, you see that he seems to be telling the truth. He did get it from Arvin Chilton. Arvin gave it to me. He gave it to me. <laughs> he's not feeling weird or wonky around like yeah, cops. He's like, this I thing. didn't take it. Is Arvin's crime scree public knowledge? Yes. And he's identified as a suspect. Arvin. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So like this guy knows that Arvin is. He didn't do it. I swear. Like he wouldn't. <laughs> he just he wouldn't have done it. He was a good guy. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out who did these horrible things now. When did Arvin lend you that book? <laughs> My mind. You know, it's 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 a. It's Try and think, please. It fails. It fails so much. Uh, the twentieth, maybe the nineteenth, maybe. I, it was right before he disappeared on the twenty-first. It was very recent. Yeah, it was recent. Did you and Arvin talk often? Yeah, he was really nice. He he would he would pick me up groceries. If I needed something and I wasn't doing well, I had a fall oh, two two years ago, and he took such good care of me. What's the last thing you guys talked about? Oh, let's see. Uh, he, he was getting ready to go to Starbucks. That's where he worked. That's where he worked. And um, his, I haven't seen him since that morning. He was getting ready to go in for a shift. Did he seem out of character that day? No, everything seems so normal. And honestly, people talk about him doing all these horrible things. He wouldn't have done it. Agent Asparrow, please, you have to try some of these cold cuts or these olives. Aren't they good? Did Arvin seem like a troubled man to you? He ignores your question completely and is waiting for an answer. Elwood is uh, licking his fingers off. Yeah, the olives are are great. They're like old. Which Elwood loves. (laughs) (laughs) They, they taste old. They're, that's the way I like them. Oh, good. Uh, Kevin, uh, ever since he played football, has been very in tune with his body. Sure. Does he feel sick or weird or anything from the like half board of meat that he's eaten? Uh, roll constitution. <laughs> Crit success. You 11. are extremely worried about how long this meat has been left out. Like, you are very worried about how long this meat has been left out. It is not reacting in your tum-tum the way that uh, uh, a nice chocolate uh, bowl uh, would, would feel in your tummy. Um, I'm sick. And he gets up and goes and throws up in the kitchen sink. He's trying to make us sick. Are you trying to poison us, Mr. Duchesne? No, no, God, no, I'm sorry. I must have just forgotten when I bought it. I, I, I would never. You could go away for a long time if you tried to do harm to federal agents. Is that what you're trying to do? Oh, my goodness, no, no. Kevin comes back over and sits down and grabs another hand, like, without <laughs> thinking, just grabs another handful of meat. Oh, uh, Elwood tries it. to grab his hand. It's, it's already in his mouth. <laughs> He, like, lifts you up off of your chair to, to <laughs> yeah. take the bite. <laughs> Kevin, you just said that didn't make you feel good. Oh, well. And he just kind of sits there <laughs> chewing on it. <laughs> he's he's hold, uh, Elwood's holding his hand out in front of Kevin. Spit it out! 
Spit it out. Kevin spits out his food into Elwood's hand. Clarissa is watching that just like wide eyed. (laughs) (laughs) Elwood takes it and puts it back onto the charcuterie board. (laughs) Now, where were we? Yeah. Uh, where were we? Duchesne's face is twisted and contorted into this so grossed out and so happy. It's clear that he's like a little freak in this moment. (laughs) And he's just like super into it. Like he really gets along with Elwood like immediately. The vibes are there. The aura around both of them is similar. Similar, yeah. (laughs) The reason Kevin didn't notice his stink is because he's used to Elwood's stink. (laughs) Mr. Duchesne, did Arvin mention this particular play is one of his favorites is there a reason he lent it to you yeah he he thought it was fitting feels like i'm on the last bend of the deep end but the drowning's been just fine and when my ears pop and the shell shock of this pit stop freeze my mind i'll be all right Build it.